hopefully you're getting a, a flavor tonight that our theme is uh, the material world. And we're thinking about the things that uh, we can buy, the things that we can sell, um, all the things that um, at times can uh, consume us and surround us in our society. And I don't know whether you've ever noticed that, you know, we do live in a, a world that is quite um, dominated by money. It's dominated by possessions. It's dominated by um, shopping and buying things and, uh, and marketing. And, uh, um, you know, it's everywhere that we go. We can, you know, we're driving down the street and we see a, a huge billboard. You know, we go into, um, we go into another building. There's advertising all around us. Um, just recently, I was at um, a, uh, I won't mention any names, but a, um, a local um, designer clothing outlet, uh, discount designer clothing outlet, um, just off the motorway in a nearby junction. And, um, <clears throat> and I was just in the, in the toilet um, there and um, just above, I don't know um, anyone who's ever been in a men's toilet. Um, probably the men. Um, <coughs> uh, hopefully, just the men. Um, and above the uh, above the toilets, above the urinals, if you're allowed to say that word in church, um, then they have these little uh, posters sometimes advertising things. And uh, just while I was there, uh, this was one of the posters that was up. If we can just have a photograph. Um, so just have a look at that, and I just want you to spot the slight mistake um, in the marketing strategy there. So this was, well, that was the first thought that came into my head. As I was standing there, I was thinking, am I in the ladies' toilets? And then I thought, no, ladies' toilets definitely don't have urinals in them, so I can't be. So I had all that going through my head. But yeah, somewhere, somewhere along the line, um, somebody's messed up a little bit there in their marketing strategy. Uh, but never mind. Um, just wanted to use that just to illustrate that. You know, everywhere we go, people are um, trying to sell us something, trying to convince us of something, uh, trying to get us um, to, to part with our money in some way. And, uh, you know... I'm not against marketing. As a church, we are not against marketing. Um, we've only been talking this morning about things that we want to do and things that we are doing to promote uh, what we do as a church. Um, but in that culture of, of marketing and advertising, then we need to be careful of what messages uh, we do listen to. And uh, so I just want to jump straight into um, looking at that last verse that was just mentioned on that video. Um, and it's from Matthew uh, chapter 6. Um, and so you heard the whole passage there, but just that last verse is the one that I really want to uh, dwell on tonight. And that last verse said, uh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Just read that again. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And uh, it's a very well-known verse. It's one that we've probably... Um, you know, many of us will have come across uh, many, many times. Um, but I just wanted to pick out some of the, uh, the key uh, words and phrases in that and just to, to, um, just to really focus on uh, what this is telling us in our material world, in our materialistic society. So it tells us that we need to seek first. Uh, so what does that mean? It needs to, means that we need to prioritize and sometimes I don't know whether anybody here ever finds it hard to prioritize. Anybody here uh, busy? Let's have a show of hands if anyone is busy here. Uh, yeah, most people. Um, and in our busyness, in the things that we do, um, in our work and in our, our home life and everything that we do, um, we are always needing to prioritize. And sometimes we get that right, sometimes we get that wrong. Um, but this is saying that we need to seek first God's kingdom before anything else that we do. Uh, put it before um, everything else that's in our life. And that can be quite a difficult thing. And in some ways, you know, perhaps 
Uh, we have our ideas of what things uh, do come first in our life. Uh, but above anything else, we need to put God and his kingdom. And I'll come on to clarifying exactly what that means by the kingdom of God in just a moment. Anybody here ever really, really wanted something? Just Danny. Everybody else is so content with their lives. That's really, no, that's really good. That's really good. Um, but what, do, what is it that you really want, Danny? Or are you not going to tell us? <laughs> Everything. Okay, that's good. Um, okay, so um, anybody else, um, anyone else here who would really, really like something? Perhaps you've seen something advertised and you'd really, really like it. Something that you really, really wanted. Terry, I'll start with you. Okay, new GTI. If anyone can help out Terry with that, that would be great. Anybody else got anything that they really want? I knew you'd want something. I was going to help Terry out and give him a GTI. No. That's, see, that's the power of the church and people coming together. And yeah, one shares a need, another provides. Brilliant. Can I have that PlayStation, please? Um, you can. It's eight ninety nine, And if you give me that at the end, then it's yours. Okay. Um, Oh, anybody else? I jumped up a bit quick there. Anyone else got anything that they would really, really, really want? Everybody else is very content and happy, so that's good. When I was younger, um, there was something that I really wanted, and um, I don't mean to make my parents sound bad here, and they probably don't have any recollection of this whatsoever. Um, <clears throat> but when I was younger, um, and you used to write your letter to Santa Claus, um, <clears throat> what's funny about that? <laughs> um, one year I asked... Um, so it's bringing back bad memories now. Uh, one year I asked for, <coughs> for a Transformers fire engine. Now, this thing, it was really exciting. If I could just see a little picture um, of this uh, Transformers fire engine. And I put this on my Christmas list. I really, really wanted this Transformers uh, fire engine. And um, uh, my mum and dad are over here. Um, I didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know why, um, but I didn't get this Transformers fire engine. And it's always really disappointing, isn't it, when, you, when you're a child and you, want, you really want something for Christmas. And uh, obviously when you're a child, you think it's all Santa's fault, don't you? Um, but I didn't get this, uh, this, this um, Transformers fire engine. And this was my first introduction, I guess, to, uh, you know, when we want things and sometimes things are out of our reach and we can't get them, um, we don't have them. Um, and sometimes there's things that we really, really want. I was talking to Caitlin uh, a couple of weeks ago, and she was telling me um, that she really, really wants, she just announced this, that she really, really wants some roller skates. And, um, and I asked her why she really wanted roller skates, and her answer was, because she hasn't got any. And so, <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's a pretty good logic. Um, <laughs> but, you know, in the, in the world, this kind of this, uh, we can take the Transformers fire engine off because it's bringing back uh, sad memories for me. Um, <clears throat> I'll come back to that in a little while. Um, there's this kind of assumption in the world that, you know, we can't do anything until we've sorted out the finances first. And, uh, you know, or, you know, if we kind of look after every, uh, if we sort of look after ourselves first, um, and then we can kind of do things to help other people afterwards. But, you know, we've got to make sure that everything's sorted and we're all fine and everything in our lives is okay first. Um, but this passage is actually saying something a little bit different to that because it's saying that we need to seek first the kingdom of God. We need to put that before everything that we have that we want to do. You know, there's a bit of a challenge to us as Christians that, you know, that when we want to, when we uh, devote our time to church, 
you know, sometimes that can be a bit of a commitment. Sometimes it can be a tall order that we need to give up time through the week. Um, you know, and we have to fit that around our work and we fit that around our study and all of those things. But it's amazing uh, to find that when we commit to the church, when we give our time, uh, so many times then we find that God gives us back that time and things fall into place around us and we're blessed um, as we serve other people. Um, I think this is something that I can forget quite often that, you know, we need to put God first, that we need to prioritize. And when we do that, then things begin to fall into place because sometimes I can be a complainer. Is anyone else a complainer here? Okay. And uh, sometimes we can complain about all sorts of things, you know, little things that go wrong and we worry about stuff and we, and we get worked up. Um, but we have a, a God who, you know, has everything under control and has everything in order. And we need to be reminded of that more and more. And, uh, you know, we need to make sure that as we seek him first, as we prioritize um, doing what he wants us to do, then things will, will begin to fall into place. Uh, there's many, many stories that I could tell you, and I'm not going to tell you them all tonight, but there's many stories that I could tell you uh, that have happened to me and Jane um, as we've just tried to um, commit to God. And, you know, we've not always made all the right decisions all the way along, but as we've tried to commit to God and we've tried to um, do what he wants and try and seek him, um, that he's provided for us and uh, given us what we need. And there's one specific thing that I just wanted to uh, tell you about because I think it just illustrates um, that sometimes we need to just let God take control. And uh, a few years back, um, Jane, um, my wife Jane is a, is a healthcare assistant. She works um, at Derby City uh, Hospital or Royal Derby Hospital as it's called now. And at this time, a, a few, um, about five years ago, she was working shifts and uh, she used to work these late shifts and then early shifts and night shifts. And it was quite a, you know, um, a difficult shift pattern that she had to do. And it, it just started to build up and build up that m for several weeks in a row, she started to miss church. And she was getting really fed up with the fact that on a Sunday she couldn't come to church, that she needed to be at work. And there was one particular Saturday night when she came home quite late at night after a late shift. And she was due to do an early shift the next morning on the Sunday. And we just... You know, there were things that we wanted to commit to in church, things that we wanted to grow uh, into. And we just felt that this wasn't where Jane needed to be at that time. And we just both had this really strong feeling that, you know, Jane needed to leave that job. Now, I, ha I want you to understand that that's not something that we would just do lightly because um, we're not always, you know, as I'm certainly not. Uh, someone who's just, yeah, let's just drop everything. Let's just, you know, let's take a big leap of faith in this, you know, because I can be a cautious, I can be a worrier about things, but we just both felt that this was the thing that we needed to do to step out. And so on that next day, um, Jane handed her notice in at work. Uh, or, yeah, on the next day she handed her notice in and we'd said that, you know, she'd got four weeks notice to work in that four weeks. She needed to find another job because, you know, we certainly weren't rolling in money and able to just, you know, doesn't matter if she goes to work or not. It was, a, it was a challenge for us. On the Monday, so two days later, she was at work and uh, somebody uh, approached her and uh, said um, that they really, really didn't want her to go because she was so valuable to them as an as a HCA, as a healthcare assistant. Um, but they were going to um, speak to somebody else in another department that was just a day case uh, center. So there was no shifts. It was all nine to five exactly what she was looking for. Um, they took her across to this department 
And they spoke to the person there. She didn't have to have an interview. She didn't have to fill in any forms or applications. And they offered her the job that very day. So two days or less than two days after we had that conversation, then she'd got a job uh, nine to five, Monday to Friday, and exactly what, exactly what we wanted. And that was just an amazing thing that God provided that for us. And, uh, you know, we took that, that step of faith that did something that to us was a risk, but God uh, met our needs. And uh, she's been there for the last uh, five years and had an amazing time working there. That's what happens sometimes when we give control over to God. Um, then he can do things that we wouldn't expect. And so it comes on to uh, the kingdom of God. As we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be given to us as well. What does it mean, the kingdom of God? It means letting God rule in our lives. It's not talking about a kingdom like a place, somewhere like the United Kingdom. It's talking about the kingdom, the kingship of God. So letting God uh, be the king and be the ruler of our lives. And letting somebody take over, that's not something that we all like to do because some of us like to be in control, don't we? We like to be the boss. We like to be in charge. Um, but this verse tells us that we need to let God uh, take charge. And, uh, you know, that means that we've got to put faith in something that um, is bigger than is outside of our material world, that's outside of the things that we can see um, materially. And uh, what's important to recognize from this is that we need to not put our faith in things that we have here on earth. Because has anyone ever noticed that things that we have here on earth tend to wear away and fade over time? Anyone ever noticed that? Yeah. And, um, you know, sometimes we can get quite caught up in, you know, the things of this world and things that we want. And we've talked about that a few moments ago, things that we uh, desire. And, um, you know, there's times when we can go out, we go shopping and we see something and we think, if I get that thing, then it's going to make me really, really happy. Has everyone, anyone ever been clothes shopping and you've tried on some new clothes and you think when you try these clothes on, my life is going to be so different now I've got these clothes. This is going to change me completely. I'm going to be a completely new person now I've got these new jeans or I've got these new trainers or I've got this new hairstyle. And, uh, you know, everything's going to be completely different. And uh, so you want to get those things on and go out straight away uh, in your new things. And maybe that's just because it's a little bit different uh, to what it was like. Was anybody else when they were younger, um, you bought some new clothes and you wanted to wear them, but your mum always said, you're not wearing them yet because you've got to save them for your holiday or you've got to save them um, for someone's wedding or someone's golden anniversary or something. <laughs> I'm not painting a very nice picture of my mum and dad tonight, but <laughs> they are very, very nice people. Um, <clears throat> But, you know, you get this feeling that when you're wearing new clothes, you can take on the world and you can do anything that you want to. But after a while, you find that, you know, like pretty much anything else that you can buy, um, your clothes after a while uh, aren't so brand new anymore. And you're still the same person that you've always been. Because the answers to our problems aren't met in clothing. The answers to our problems aren't met in financial gain or any material thing. And we hear about um, retail therapy quite a lot, don't we, of going out and... Um, you know, if things are difficult in our lives, well, it doesn't matter because we've got the credit card or we've got the money, we can just go and splash out on something new and it will take all of our problems away. You know, that it will make us feel better about life. But, you know, we can't just get changed by the things that we buy. We can't buy new clothes and get changed on the outside. But we need to be changed from the inside out. And there's only one person who can do that. There's only one who can do that. 
And there's only one who can restore and mend and heal the things that are broken in our lives and the things that, are, that we struggle with in our lives. That's why it talks about that we need to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And that's talking about God making us right. We can't make ourselves right. We can't get righteousness for ourselves and just put it on like a nice new item of clothing. But we have to seek God and his righteousness. It's only when we come to him that he can put us right. You know, people can sometimes get into a mess when they try and make themselves right, when they try and sort out their own problems. But there comes a point where we just need to come and surrender to God and say, God, we need you and we need you to change us. And God can do that for anybody, every single person here. And if there's somebody sitting here who thinks, you know, God can't change me because I've done too much. I've made too many mistakes. I've uh, wandered too far away. Then God can change you. God loves you. And God wants to meet with you and have a relationship with you. You know, sometimes we see people um, and they, they win the lottery. And sometimes we might dream about that, that, that was a, that's a nice thing that we would want. Um, and we see people who win these huge amounts of money on the lottery. Um, but quite often it struck me that you do hear these stories that come through of people who've won huge amounts of money, but then have gone on to experience quite a lot of sadness and difficulty. I'm not saying that anyone who has ever um, gained a huge amount of money is going to ruin their life. But there are certain times when, you know, people are looking for money and a huge amount of money to come. And that's going to solve all our problems and make us right. But it's not. There's something else that we need. And uh, if you look, ar look around the world and read the papers and uh, watch the news, we can see that, you know, I think our world is not quite as stable as it perhaps was a few years ago in terms of the faith that we put in um, material things, in terms of the faith that we put in finance. You know, the financial crisis has shown us that the material world isn't quite as secure as perhaps everybody thought it was a few years ago. You know, we've gone through some turbulent times where people who thought that they were set up for life have actually found that they're left with nothing. You know, and I think there has been a bit of a shift in our culture as, you know, people have become more aware of the impermanence of money and possessions. But perhaps there's people who, you know, they know that they can't find all their answers in money, but maybe they're not quite sure where they are going to find the answers, where they do need to look. But we know that the answers are found in Jesus Christ. And that's why this verse says that we need to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to us as well. So what are these things? Because obviously this follows on from some other verses before that have spoken about um, not worrying about the clothes that we wear, not worrying about the food that we have, um, not worrying about the little details of life, or sometimes things that feel like huge details of life, even those things it tells us not to worry. Jesus actually says in this passage, and if Jesus said it, then it's pretty difficult for us to argue with it, isn't it? Jesus said that we are not to worry about anything. Has anyone ever given that a try? Come on, let's try it now, right? What I want you to do, just while you're sitting here, let's sit up straight, okay? And I want you to not worry about anything. Go. Who here has started to worry? 
Is anyone worrying about something right now? Because it's pretty hard to do, isn't it? Naturally speaking, just to switch our minds off and not worry. Because there's always going to be things in the back of our mind that, that, you know, that worry us, that, that make us feel scared, that make us feel frightened. You know, and I can say that for myself. If I'm left to my own devices, I can be a worrier. And, you know, my wife will bear witness to that. That, you know, I can worry about all sorts of things. You know, and uh, even, you know, through, through what we've um, planned tonight, you know, I've worried, worried, would anyone be here? That was at five past six tonight. I was worrying about that. <laughs> uh, will I be able to um, find out the answers to the quiz in advance? Don't worry, I've sorted that one out, so that's fine. Not really, by the way. So, no. um, But, you know, this passage tells us that God will take care of us. God will provide for us. God will meet our needs. <laughs> I don't think that's a sign or anything, don't worry. <clears throat> this is telling us not to put faith in material things. One by one, they're all sort of slowly dropping away. <laughs> but the thing is that in all of our worries, in all the things that we fret about, God will take care of us. All these things will be added unto us. All these things will be given to you as well. So God will provide for us. God will meet our needs. And notice that I said needs and not wants. Because who knows that those two things are slightly different or sometimes vastly different. You know, I could write a list of, you know, 10 things that are really, well, 110 or probably 250,000 things that I really, really want. But it wouldn't necessarily be the right thing to have them right now. See, it's a little bit like that Transformers fire engine that I really, really wanted when I was a child. And I was disappointed when I didn't get it. But when I look back on it now, has it really affected my life in any major way? Probably not. Would I still play with it now? Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) But (laughs) it would make a change from playing with uh, Postman Pat things and uh, Fifi and the Flower Tots and uh, (laughs) Eagle Piggle. But, but, you know, it's not really made a huge um, impression on my life. But at the time, it was something that I was bothered about. And... You know, we get that in our lives now, don't we? There's sometimes there's things that we think we really, really want and they don't come to us and we're disappointed because they don't happen. But what we need to be aware of is that there's a huge picture that we can't see at the moment. You know, if I was to give um, my children every single thing that they ever asked for, then I probably wouldn't be the best parent in the world. You know, and we see celebrities, don't we, that... um, have gone off the rails, gone completely off the wall because they've just had everything all at once. You know, um, young stars that have just, you know, before they've even turned 18, they've experienced everything and been given everything. They've got wealth beyond their wildest dreams. And sometimes it can wreck people. You know, it's a little bit like, again, when you're younger, and I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't realize as I was writing these notes that I was going to keep. <laughs> I'm making my mum and dad to sound like the tightest people in the world. But <laughs> um, but when you're younger, you know, you get you get sweets and chocolates and this. Don't eat them now because you'll spoil your tea and things like that. Or, you know, if you went to a restaurant and you'd get a glass of Coke and your dad would give you a glass of Coke and then say, you've got to make that last all the way through the meal. So then... And have you ever tried that where you've got a drink and you need to try and make it last? And so then you've got to drink it really, really slowly. And then you don't enjoy any of it because you've got to drink it really, really slowly. Anyway, so (laughs) sometimes the things that we need in life come to us much more slowly than we would like. 
But, you know, when we seek his kingdom, those things will come to us. And they might not come to us packaged in the way that we particularly expect, but they'll come to us in the way that God needs to bring them to us. You know, I can look back over my life and I can see so many things that at times I've said I really, really want and I really, really need even. And, you know, I can look back and I can see some of those things have been fulfilled. And it's great to see that as, you know, things that I've wanted in the past that now I can say, yeah, that's been fulfilled. I'm, I'm living in that now. I'm experiencing that now. That's amazing. And then there were also some other things that I, you know, I thought that I really wanted at the time. And some of those things haven't happened. Some of those things haven't come to me. But now I'm in a position where I can look at those things and say that, you know, actually, I think it's better that those things didn't happen. Has anybody ever experienced anything a bit like that before? You know, where, yeah, where we can look and see, you know, perhaps that wouldn't have been. Because if I went down that line, I wouldn't be here where I am. You know, it's amazing sometimes when we look at it and we take a step back and see our lives to see how God actually works. You know, when we seek first God's kingdom, he can give us and will give us the things that we need. But there's kind of a condition to that, a little uh, clause, if you like, because it says in the Bible that to whom much is given, then much is required. And so, you know, it promises that God will give to us the things that we need. But as we're given those things, there's a weight upon us then that we need to share those things with other people, that we need to help others, that we need to, uh, you know, meet the needs of other people. And how do we process some of those images that we see? We've seen some tonight. Um, images of people in extreme poverty, um, images of people who have got nothing. You know, some of those people are even in our own nation and even in our own door, on our own doorstep. How can we possibly start to meet all of those needs? Well, I think the first thing that we need to, to get into our heads is that we, we can't possibly, one person by ourselves, we can't possibly meet all of those needs. You agree with that? Yeah. But we can meet some of those needs. Would we agree with that? We can meet some of those needs. We talked this morning about a project that we've got lined up next year as a church where we're going to go out into the town, into the community, and just be a practical help um, to people around this community, people who are in real need. That's a start. That's doing something that's on our own doorstep that's breaking out of just, you know, the material world where we're just looking at the things that we can get and the things that we can gain. And we're actually looking at what can we give? What can we release to other people? How can we bless and serve and help other people? That's the kind of attitude that kind of stands against all this, you know, wanting to just get and receive and receive. So let's just start with our doorstep. Let's start by doing something like that, just practically helping somebody. There's people, you know, within the church I'm, I'm aware of that, you know, sponsor children in, in other countries, children who are living in poverty. And, you know, that's just one child. And, you know, you can't possibly meet the needs of all of the children across the world that are in extreme needs. But you can meet the needs of one or maybe two. Just that small thing. That's making a start, isn't it? That's opening up to something bigger. And who knows, you know, as God gives more to us, then we may feel a need and a weight upon us that we need to give out even more. But let's just, let's not just think, well, I can't possibly meet the needs of, you know, everybody across the world. So I'm just not going to bother. I'm not going to do anything. Let's start and let's do something.
And let's just remember some of those verses that we heard. It was on the video. And it said that your eyes are windows into your body. If you open your eyes wide in wonder and belief, your body fills up with light. But if you live squinty-eyed in greed and distrust, your body is a dank cellar. If you pull the blinds on your windows, what a dark life you will have. You know, if we just close ourselves off, if we just wrap ourselves up in this material world, then what a dark and dismal and dreary life we're going to have. You know, God is telling us that we need to open ourselves up to the huge picture that's around us. That's when we really see his kingdom come to work in our lives. You know, there's a world around there, that, a world around us that's in desperate need. But there is a saviour who provides the answer to every single need that we can imagine. You know, giving your life over to God, seeking first his kingdom is the very best thing that you can ever do with your life. Is there anyone here who would agree with that? That, the, that as we invite God into our lives, then it opens up amazing things to us. And if we seek him, then he will meet all of our needs. And as all our needs are met, then it puts us in a position where we can go out and be a help and a blessing to be salt and light in the world around us. Let's pray together.